Welcome to your Destiny Podcast. I want to talk to you guys about favor. Is that all right? Okay. That is a challenge. Okay. That is going to challenge you guys. Um, all right. The gospel is... It's not a trick question. Good. It's good news. It's... It's so good that sometimes we need to add a little bit of, ah, just be careful. Otherwise, you could mess it up in there, honestly, because it's so good. And we don't believe in the redemptive power of the cross in people. Because I believe if I don't scare you in doing the right thing, if I just tell you that God puts no expectations on you, who you're going to go off and do some, some really bad stuff. That's, that's what I ultimately believe. I don't believe that the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to actually create a new heart in you, to have that new creation that does not want to sin anymore. I still believe that you basically are Romans 7 people. And if I just, if I, if I take the punishment or the, um, whatever off, then you're just going to go right back to sin. And so for your own benefit, you'll thank me later kind of thing. Don't you dare sinning. And I'm making a list of all the things that you shouldn't be doing. Um, now, Psalm 30 verse five, one of my favorite things is anger lasts, but for a moment, it's favor for a lifetime. And I know you guys heard me talk about this before, but that, that moment that has really come and gone. There's if, if truly, truly, truly the anger, the wrath of God has been poured out upon Jesus. And again, not because he was his son or he just happened to be in the place. It was because in that moment, Jesus became sin. So God's anger was never even directed at any Human being, I know I'm just, there's so many scriptures that you could prove me wrong. But it was against sin. It was against the destructive and the deceitful nature of sin. Um, against that, that sinful entity. And now, and that's why it's so important that we believe and understand that Jesus didn't just die for us. He died as us. Yeah? Because he just didn't give us a outward gift of it wasn't an exchange of between two people jesus the really good guy and timo the really bad guy kind of shook hands somewhere and jesus gave me his really nice robe of righteousness that i can hide under now because that's still what we think like i'm hiding under the robe of jesus the blood of jesus and if god just looks a little bit too close then he's still gonna see the bad me and jesus kind of all right, he took on the, all the bad stuff, but he's still Jesus. Ultimately, on the cross, he was like, da, 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 I'm Jesus. No, he became sin. He was detestable. We thought he was cursed by God, Scripture says. It was that, that bad. I have no idea what happened physically to his body, what deformity, what demonic stuff the his flesh went through on the cross maybe we'll have we'll find out one day maybe we won't 
it probably won't matter by the time we have a chance to find out. So that I could, from the very core of who I am, could be that new creation. It's not just a paint job that he gave me. He knocked the whole building down and thought, this is not worth, it's just not worth fixing. We're just going to kill the old and build the new. That's what he did. Yeah. So that I can live a lifetime of favor. Now, can I abuse that favor? This is a big question. Can grace be abused? People say, oh yeah, of course, can grace. No. Now, you can misuse grace. Absolutely. Oh yeah, you can misrepresent grace. Oh, all day long. Abusing You can abuse somebody's good graces, yeah? Because everybody's favor or grace, how much we extend, comes with a limitation or comes with, like, now, now you pushed it too far. And we kind of think this is what we do with God. We say, oh, now you're pushing it too far. But grace, by definition, is limitless, extreme, and is unabusable. Walking down that road still doesn't mean that everything is honky-dory and fine. There's some really dumb choices have dumb consequences, yeah? There's, and, uh, and sinful choices, even though it, it doesn't affect who you are in terms of your identity, you can still be righteous and be in prison, yeah? I'm going to just put it this way. It's, you can still be righteous and be divorced, yeah, you can still be righteous and have pay alimony. You can still be righteous and live completely isolated because you are not a nice person to live with. That's, do you know what I mean? So, because we always think, because our definition of friendship is loyalty without ever confronting somebody's issue. That's what we, oh, if you're my friend, you're with me. It's like, I am with you. But right now, me being a friend is actually pointing out, oh, whoa, 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 this is not, this is not good. You're not doing yourself any favor. And uh, me as your friend wanting the best for you, I'm going to point out, dude, this needs to change. That's what Holy Spirit does in us. It's not pointing out all the mistakes and stuff. He reminds us, this is not who you are. Remember, right now you're not living according to who you really think you are. I'm always using the example of Prince Harry. A couple of years ago, do you remember when he dressed up as Hitler? Yeah. It made him, the news. It, <laughs> what was he thinking? Yeah. You and I, it would never make it into the, into the, um, the newspapers. It, it'd be really funny. Yeah. I can laugh about this. This is how much Jesus has healed me from our past. But was it a wise thing for a prince of Great Britain to dress up as Hitler? Probably not. Yeah? Did they have some consequence? I'm sure his grandma said him that. I was like, now, Harry, listen. You're a muppet. Like, the guy that you're dressing up, I, I was there. Yeah? So, so she, just, she probably, I'm pretty sure. And you don't want to be told off by the queen. Like, oh. <laughs> she knows who she is. Yeah? He forgot who he was for a second. Did that ever take away from his identity as prince? Never. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Because we so often look at somebody who's like, whoa, they have fallen from grace. They are not 
a Christian anymore. And they can choose to walk away from Jesus. I'm, this is it's still their choice. But just because somebody forgets who they are and therefore chooses very, very poorly at best. Yeah. And, and some very destructive choices and consequences come out of forgetting who we are. But that doesn't mean that we've lost who we are. Yeah, that is because that's that wasn't ours to fight for or to find. We didn't find Jesus. We didn't find our righteousness. It's not up to us to hold on to Jesus or to hold on to our righteousness. We are firmly secure in his hand. Amen. Now. I need to make this point because I'm going to make another point as well. Romans 2 verse 4. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience? Don't you know that the kindness of God leads to repentance? I think in Peter it says, just, no, it's Hebrews. Guys, just because you think God doesn't follow through with consequences right now, you mistake in his patience for um, affirming your lifestyle. I'm paraphrasing. It's not true. Just because he isn't pulling you aside every single time you make a mistake or just, you know, death and destruction and floods and whatever else we think he might be up to. Don't mistake his patience for sin doesn't matter anymore. Yeah? Sin matters very, very much. Jesus matters a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, it, it, it. Yeah, that's that. The law came, says in Romans 5, so that sin or the transgression, the overstepping the boundaries would increase so that we would actually realize how often we overstepped. We just didn't know how often we messed up because there was no measurement, yeah? Now we know, it's like, oh, but grace, where sin abounded, where sin increased, grace abounded even more so. A friend of mine who was struggling with pornography <laughs> had, that, had that on his laptop. It's like, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more so. Like, not sure if that's a good thing. It's like right there when you mess up, you remind yourself or whether you give yourself permission. I'm not sure why he had that sticker there. I thought it was genius. Um, it's always been about his goodness, how he provides a way for us to be in his presence. Yeah, we that that was the whole thing of the, the Tower of Babel. Um, everything that the law was trying to expose in us, that futile attempt to come close to God, just, just doesn't work. So God just came close to us. That is who Jesus is, Emmanuel, God with us. <sighs> and we think that being a Christian, because, because the... Jesus says that the path that leads into the kingdom is really narrow. The gate is small. It's, it, the path that leads to destruction is quite wide. Um, 
He is the door. It's not narrow because Jesus makes it really hard for you. It's, it, it's small because it's only Jesus. It's not Jesus and anything else. It's just Jesus. There's only one way, and his name is Jesus. Now, Isaiah then comes and prophesies over the highway of the Lord. He says it's so wide that even fools won't be able to fall off it. What does that mean? That means once you're in the kingdom, it's not a tight rope anymore. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not a balancing act where it's like, oh, don't, don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up, because if I mess up, I've lost it all again. Please don't, don't, don't go and sin. That's dumb. I, honestly, don't do it. Don't, don't, don't. This is going to be my, throughout all of this, what I'm going to say, my main message is don't sin. Honestly, you won't do yourself a favor. But, no, not but. I think in the past, we're so concerned about, because we thought the best Christian life is lived by using the blood of Jesus only once. And that is getting into the kingdom. That's when I need the blood of Jesus. And then it's up to me to use as little as possible of the blood of Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's what we did. Because the only time I'm using the blood of Jesus is when I mess up. Yeah, so... So I'm like, I need the blood of Jesus once. And the more I need the blood of Jesus after that, I, I, that means I'm a really bad Christian. Because, oh, here he comes again, needing the blood of Jesus again. And Ruth was, um, she was counseling a girl once who had this, she came to Ruth after doing something again that she promised God, I'll never do again. Yeah, we've all been there. And she had this vision of her just being baptized in the blood and just swimming in the blood. And Jesus and the Father rejoicing over the fact that she's using the blood. She's using the blood. And it was just that, such a mind shift from, ah, uh, it almost felt like every time I sin, I'm adding to the punishment of Jesus on the cross. He would have had, if he would have had less blows or less blood poured out or less whips or something if I would just get my act together a bit more. That, that, was, that, was, that was definitely my approach. And that was that girl's approach as well. And then seeing how the father and Jesus rejoiced in her appropriating. That's what it is. Using the blood appropriately. And the only appropriate way for the blood of Jesus is to swim in it. Yeah? It's, the blood is alive, according to Godfrey. It's alive. The wine is alive. It's, you swim in it. You use it daily. It's not a, oh, just to forgive your sin. It's, it's the very life of Jesus that I am swimming in now. And it does cleanse me. It does restore me. It does forgive all my sins. But it's not just to wipe away the bad. It's to live in, to live in its fullness. So swim in the blood of Jesus, yeah? And that's the highway of the Lord. The door, the, the, the way there might be narrow. The door may be small. But man, the kingdom is wide. And you can mess up. You can dress up as Hitler. And still don't lose your identity. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah would be appropriate. Yeah? 
It's it, honestly, this is what good news is. It's so good that we think, ah. Now, Genesis 26 is an amazing story. Um, I'll just read it from verse 1 to 15. Now, there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine, okay? So it just tells you that that was a bad time. Besides the previous famine that occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, the, the king of the Philistines. The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn, hang around, wander in this land, and I will be with you and bless you for you and your descendants. I will give these lands and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father, Abraham. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and I will give your descendants all the lands and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me, kept my charge, my commands, my statutes, and my laws. Right? What does God promise right now? He promised him he's going to have kids. Yeah? That's what he's promising him. He doesn't have any so far. But he promises that. So Isaac lived in Gerar. When the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, She's my sister. For he was afraid to say, my wife. Thinking, the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca. For she's a babe. She's beautiful. It came about when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out through the window and saw, and behold, Isaac was smooching. Yeah, he was caressing his wife, Rebecca. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold! She is certainly your wife. You can, oh, you can have so much fun. You could just have this as a hillbilly story. It's like, what are you doing? Is that your sister? No. Anyway, so Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she's your wife. How then did you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I said I might die on account of her. And Abimelech said, What is this that you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech charged all the people saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Okay, what, what is happening? <sighs> Let's be really crass. Isaac is willing to pimp out his wife to save his own life. That's what's happening. Where did he get that idea from? His dad. Yeah. Because now we, we are never told who told whom what. Yeah. I just have a sneaky suspicion. It wasn't Abraham sitting down his son. It's probably his mother. Like, son, let me tell you what your dad did, you know, around the campfire. Oh, Mr. Till death do us part. Yeah. Because honestly... Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And I don't even blame her. Because how many times did Abraham do that? And she's still stuck with him. Seriously, Ruth would... <laughs> I'm not sure what Ruth would do to me. If I would turn around... Because 
let's forget Abraham. What did Isaac do right there? He broke covenant with his wife. Now, Isaac didn't go and commit adultery. But Isaac was quite happy for, for that covenant, that union, that holy, it's a sacrament. That thing that speaks of who the, 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 the reason why it's a sacrament is because it's not just a symbolic thing. It is one of those things that Jesus displays his beautiful relationship between him and us here on earth, visibly for everybody. And Isaac was willing to break that to save his own life. After God told him, don't worry. Before he goes into the land, he says, dude, don't worry. Your descendants, meaning you'll have kids. You won't get kids. You can't have kids when, you know, if you're dead. It just, you'll have kids. Your wife will be yours. All of that. Just God didn't, God didn't say, and by the way, this is what's going to happen and all of that. He just, and I think this is with prophecies. So often he promises us something that implies a certain thing. I had a couple, a friend of mine who got prophesied over as a, they got prophesied over as a couple, as a married couple. And, uh, and their marriage wasn't great at that point. And shortly after the marriage broke apart and he came to me and says, um, uh, that wasn't an accurate prophecy now, was it? You know, destiny for them and all of that. And I turned around and said to him, you're completely missing the point of that prophetic word. It was God speaking hope into your situation. Says, he knows exactly who you guys are, where you're at. Says, and I still have a future for the both of you together. Rather than, oh, that was probably a wrong prophecy. It's like, and so here God says, I'm going to bless everybody on the planet through your descendants. Meaning, don't worry. All this is taken care of. Your wife, your kids, this is going to happen. Don't worry. Yeah? Well, I would consider this sin. Not just bad judgment and all of this. This is just... Because this, has, this hasn't gone on for a little bit, it says. And when he's been there a long time, I have no idea whether it's a month or a year or even longer. But he's just been lying constantly. And, yeah, all of that. That was verse 11. Now verse 12. Okay, now remember, there was a famine after the previous famine, okay? So it was dry and then it got really, really dry. Okay, so everything was bad. Now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. What is God thinking? that was my son, I'd be like, whoa, let's, let's lay the foundation again. You know, none of that blessing stuff right now. Let, let me tell you about commitment, son. Let me tell you about honor. Let me tell you about laying down your life for the sake of the one that you choose to marry. All of that stuff. Hmm. And says God in that same year, 
blessed him so that Isaac reaped a hundredfold. And then he started growing richer and richer and richer. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. We, we still like it's the punishment. It's the bad consequences. It's this and this and that that will make people finally realize they need to change. No. He's so different from who we are. He, he disciplines so differently. He disciplines. Oh, no doubt about that. But so differently. Yes, that's very true. Sin is still sin. It was, Roman says it wasn't imputed um, before the law. But I would, I would say the flood. Yeah, the flood happened before the law. That there's always consequences. Um, Cain and Abel happened before the law and the consequences of, um, of Cain. It's, sin was always there. And sin always had, I, I would even say, sin wasn't imputed. It means that nobody realized how bad things really were until the law was there. But things were always bad. Just didn't see it. That it so it's almost like, you have cancer, you just don't know until your first scan. Like, oh, there it is. It, now I just know it's there, but it was there yesterday. That's what I, that's how I see it. And the consequences in your body were already there. Yeah. And, and so, so in that, in that thing, God seems to bless Pour out favor in the midst of sin. That seems to... I, I don't like that. I really don't. Because that sends the wrong message. Oh, you can take that and say, Oh, see, the Lord's blessing me. There's nothing wrong with it. Tima, what are you on about? Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Oh, you're such a whatever. God's still blessing me. Yes, he does. But he blesses you to realize this is... He is the ultimate source of life, goodness. Turn around, turn, repent, look to me for once. Ah, it's, it, gets, it gets worse. Hebrews 11, you know, the um, chapter about great heroes of faith. It talks about Rahab, yeah, the prostitute in Jericho. And she says, by faith, Rahab, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Yeah? Oh, is that? We, can, we read that because we don't read anything else from her after they enter Jericho. Um, now, again, I'm not, I don't want to read more into it than there is. I'm just saying nothing else is, is. We are not told whether she stopped being a prostitute or whether she continued being a prostitute. Yeah? We just know that by faith she was saved. That's, can you imagine? Because we want the world to get saved. 
but <sighs> drug dealers they need to get saved prostitutes need to get saved but just because they're saved doesn't mean that everything changes instantly in their lives how happy would you be as a church to take up an offering on the money that was made the night before selling your body selling drugs i'd be like oh please keep it <laughs> you know like i would treat it almost like it's dirty it's blood money and 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 god's like let me pour favor on them let me sort out stuff don't he's he's so different he's so kind and we Third John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper just as your soul prospers. And it's this thing of <sighs> when we walk in that favor of who God is, when we get to a place where we can embrace people for who they are in Jesus and where they're at in life. And walking in that with a, a Holy Spirit sensitivity as to when do I say something and when do I not. I really do not subscribe to either extreme. I don't subscribe at all to telling people, God loves you the way you are. And as soon as they get saved, and now I'm going to give you a whole list of things that you're not supposed to do anymore. Oh, sorry, did we forget to tell you? You know, I'm not subscribing to the other extreme. It's like, oh, we could never ever approach anybody on anything because it's just the Holy Spirit. So, pfft, no, it's my it's my responsibility as your brother that loves you. It's like stop beating your wife. That's you know, it's like there's some extreme things that. If I, was, if I was having a problem with cheating on Ruth, yeah, and I would confess and go, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Everybody's like, all right, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more, you know, for the sake of your marriage. The fact that Ruth is still with you, by the way, it's just hypothetically here. Just, I just realized that I could dig myself a big hole. Um, go and sin no more, yeah? And then nobody would be like, oh, it's not that bad. You know, you've been, you've been cheating about three times a week. St maybe start reducing it to maybe just once a week. Yeah. Hey, Ruth, celebrate. He's, you know, he's home six nights of the week. That one night, that's all right. He's on. Nobody would do that. Yeah. Yet, with other bits, we are so lenient. We're like, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, just, you know, a bit of, yeah, they, they, you know, they still sleep with each other every now and then. They, oh, he's still struggling with this every night. So, I, sensitivity to Holy Spirit. I guess that's my point because sin is sin and it needs to stop better yesterday than today for your own sake, for the sake of your relationships, for your future, for your health, everything. And yet, Holy Spirit may just pour out favor and then I'm practicing lawlessness when I'm stepping in 
and saying, stop, 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 stop. And Holy Spirit is like, don't worry about this right now. Put favor on because they need to know before any of this stopping thing can happen, they need to know how good I really am because they don't know. And in order for anything to fall off that isn't them, for, for them to be able to let go of anything that isn't good, they need to know how good I really am. Don't remember, I think it's in Jeremiah where, where God says to Israel that they committed a twofold sin. They walked away from the living water and they kind of started clinging and drinking from cisterns, from wells of dead water, muddy stuff. And this is exactly what people are doing. But until I know how good God is, oh, I, at least I have this. This may be poison, but this is better than nothing. Yeah, And we in the church are just expecting people to know who God is instantly. We still don't know who he is. We still don't know how good he is. Does it? But it's an attitude in our hearts that is able to journey with people and genuinely and honestly share. And she challenges me more than anybody else because I would always jump in. Like, oh, but stop now, for goodness sake. And she's like, ah, oh, you're so loved. I'm like, yeah, I know they're loved, but they, they need to change now. It's like, ah, oh, they, they still don't know how much they're loved. Let them know how much they're loved. And that'll change. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Yeah. Ah, honestly. So every time I'm, I'm talking about this, this is, I need to know this. So as I said before, I'm not subscribing to either extreme. I'm subscribing to Holy Spirit. How do we walk today? What is it? What is it that you've got for us? James 5 Again, whether you believe James should be in the Bible or not, it's there. James 5, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then I love this. The effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. That kind of undermines all our prayer meetings. <laughs> Where he says, one prayer is usually enough. <laughs> or you just don't consider yourself righteous. That <laughs> You need a couple of righteous buddies. Anyway. I digress. I love prayer meetings. But again, let's just make sure we know why we do that. 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, we don't confess our sins in order to be forgiven. I want to say we confess our sins because we have been forgiven. There's no shame anymore. There's nothing. And I don't need to hide anything anymore. It's like, and it's not a confession so that I may regain my identity. It's, it's basically I'm confessing that I've forgotten who I am. That's, ah, and now I'm confessing. Actually, I'm, it's back to agreeing with God. It's like, yes. Amen. The word there, when, you know, when Abraham believed and it was accredited to him as righteousness, is the word aman. That's where we get aman. It's the, I believe that I am who you say I am. That's what faith is. Agreeing with God. That's probably the simplest way of defining faith. It's agreeing with God. That what he says 
is actually already happened. It's read this this morning. Hey, Paula. Hey, and woohoo! Look at that. And we're a bit, we're distressed that there's no cookies. It's like the disciples in the boat discussing who forgot bread. (laughs) Where was I? Oh, confessing our sins. Yeah. Just let's, let's, I know I'm, I'm butchering any sort of hermeneutic approach to the Bible right now. But let's just paraphrase everything in this one thing, agreeing with what God says about who we are. Simple as that. Yeah? It says in Mark 11, I love this about Jesus. Um, He says, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Listen to this now. Therefore, I say to you, all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them. Yeah? The things that you ask, believe they're already in your bank account. This is not something, oh, it's 11 o'clock. On a Wednesday. Does it make sense? Yeah? We don't ask in order to receive. We don't believe in it's us believing is not magically appear, making things appear in our bank account. Us believing is realizing that they have appeared in our bank account already. Yeah. Jesus only did what he saw his father do. It's not like. Ah, uh, it, it's, it's everything is faith is basically just opening our eyes to the fact that Jesus did it already. That's what faith is. So confessing my sins is not me confessing my sins in order that I may be forgiven, but because I have been forgiven. Like now I'm just like, oh, why did I ever dress up as Hitler? I should have just stayed Prince Harry. Yeah, this is, I forgot who I was for a second. What a, what a dumb thing to do. <laughs> and we can laugh at it. That's when you realize that you're walking in true identity, when there's just no shame anymore. You don't have to hide. You don't have to forgive in order to get. But you can walk in that favor that God is pouring all over you to the point where you are embarrassed about how good he is. You're like, oh, I better change how I do life. He's that good. That's what repentance is. It's the kindness of, can you imagine just crawling out from underneath this mountain of favor? He's like, oh, that's what he pours and my cup runs over. I don't have enough ability to contain his blessing in my life. That's how good he is. And out of that place, I'm like, ah, ah. I better change. Guys, look. 
This is this is David. He sinned, and he sinned badly. If we can grade sin, which we can, yeah, yeah, he's 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 committing adultery, both with his wife and with his neighbor's wife. Again, I don't know if he can double sin. Yeah, there, there it is. He gets her pregnant. He's he, now he's he's trying to cover up. Like just just call it a day. Just say ah, I messed up and. I don't know what you would do from then on. He's trying to cover it up. Her husband, who is not even a Jew, is so loyal to the king and walks in such integrity that he's, that he's sleeping on his own doorstep. What a guy. Now King David's like, oh, damn you righteous man. That's literally what he said. Let's kill him. Yeah. So, so they attack and then all the troops retreat to kill this one guy. He plots murder. Yeah. And then it needs a prophet. It needs a prophet to point out to King David that, dude, are you kidding me? Like, how deceived do you have to be to not realize? But this is what sin does to you. When you try to cover up, it gets bad. It gets bad and then it gets worse. And then you just... Because shame makes you do all sorts of weird things. And you're trying to cover up. And you're going to lie about it. And you're going to lie even more so. And then, and then this thing happens. Where he's just forgiven and he's set free. Yeah? This is what Jesus did for us. Now what does King David do? The most influential, most famous person in that time. He sings a song about it. Yeah? This is number one on the iTunes chart. It gets played in radio one every day. Ding, da, ding, da, ding. I committed adultery and I killed someone. I was bad. But, but this is Psalm 51. Yeah. I've done something. Re- this, is, this is the prime minister. Yeah. Singing a song publicly. Making it so that everybody else from, from now on can read about. This is what I did. This is how God dealt with me and with this whole situation. And this is the redemptive power of the cross that Jesus would come from that mistake. That is, that blows my mind. Ah, why? Honestly, I don't know what to say. Wow, this is what the justice of the cross does. It's not a punishable justice. It's a redemptive and a reconciling justice. When Jesus brings his restoration into a situation, it takes the absolute worst. And... Only he can bring the absolute best out of this. This is who Jesus is, ladies and gentlemen. I present to you the best thing ever. Favor in the midst of sin. And I love this. That Jesus never, never 
tries to brush sin under the carpet. He, he doesn't have to because he dealt with it once and for all. He approached it headlong, says, I'm willing to pay the price for all of this. I'm not trying to, you know, just, I don't know, downplay it. But this thing, as bad as it is, it will never have the power again to stand in between you and God. I love it. Absolutely love it. Ah, So, with all our mistakes, with all the people that don't know who Jesus is, know who they really are in him. Pray for favor. Yeah? If God can bless Isaac, God can justify Rahab. If God can justify David after all this, and not just, because what we would do is like, oh, I don't think you can be the Passover church anymore. Yeah? Honestly, nobody would hire David today you know, based on his resume. So you would like to pastor Kingsway? All right, what did you do? Well, <clears throat> I killed lots of people. But one guy I killed really on purpose. Um, I, after I slept with his wife. Oh, I wrote a song about this. Could I be your worship leader? It's like, <laughs> no. Like we wouldn't, and God thinks, flipping heck, this is a man after my own heart. Because it's not about, again, how great we are in doing all the right things. It's about, do I trust that my God is bigger than my mistakes? That's Jesus. Right? Okay. So, have I, have I, not caused any sort of, uh, so you're saying it's okay to sin? No! Don't be an idiot. Really don't. Sin is sin. Whew. And the consequences, they're never fun. They're never good. And honestly, sometimes, I don't understand this. Sometimes God, in his kindness, he actually spares us the consequences of our sin. And sometimes God, in our kindness, he lets us walk through the consequences of our sin so that we may learn it never takes away from our identity from our righteousness from us being 100% holy amen all right ha ah, put your heads back for a second no it's a really weird picture but you're you're just under that waterfall of the blood of jesus You're applying the blood appropriately. You're appropriating the blood. You're swimming in it. Ah, we're being constantly, constantly cleansed. The words that you speak to us have been made righteous by your blood, Jesus. And I'm really sorry for where we tried to be good for the sake of not using your blood. What a dumb thing to do rather than just trusting that you truly have given us a new heart, that you truly have made us righteous and holy, that for the first time we can actually choose well. Ah. Dad, and where we have just stood in judgment, where people 
were blessed even though they continue to sin, I'm really sorry. Where we stood and condemned people, where you said, it's just, this is not the issue that needs dealing with at this moment. I'm really sorry. But also, Dad, where we, because we're afraid to say something or confront something, that we didn't say something. I'm really sorry where we needed to. I want to learn how to be sensitive to you. Trusting that you know exactly what you do at the right time. What a privilege it is for us to walk as brothers and sisters, shoulder to shoulder. Ah, like it says in Joel, that, that we are really part of that army, not breaking ranks. Where we get to encourage each other where we need encouragement. Admonish each other where we need admonishment. Admonishing. And that overall, honestly, your banner, Dad, it's love. It's love. It's love. It's your favor. It's your kindness. You've done it all. And we get to shout it from the rooftops. Not being afraid. There's no shame attached to our mistakes anymore. But only gratefulness and... uh, can just hold up my mistakes high because it glorifies you Jesus with what you've done and how you've forgiven me you're so good thank you for listening to the I Destiny podcast for further information check out www.idestiny.org.uk